Yes, these last few weeks, <clears throat> we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapters 5 through 7, hearing <clears throat> about Jesus's manifesto, his public declaration of how to live, how to be kingdom people. Last week, we looked at the practices of kingdom people from Matthew chapter 6, the outward behavior, giving to the needy, prayer, and fasting. Today, we'll look at the mindset we need when we are kingdom people. The life that is lived within us, our thoughts, our desires, our wants, our assumptions, our mindset as we observe and take in the world around us and react to it. Some of us live much more in our minds than others. We do much more self-talk, replaying the day's events back in our minds, thinking about what we should have done differently, or imagine all kinds of possible future events that can bring us joy or anxiety. We all come to life with a mindset. You see life through your own unique lens. This is your mindset, the assumptions and expectations you hold about yourself, your life, and the situations around you. Stanford University put out a report titled Your Powerful Changeable Mindset. In it, they say that mindsets are a set of assumptions that help you distill complex worldviews into digestible information and then set expectations based on this input. It's a mouthful. So for example, <clears throat> there are some personalities that when confronted with a difficult situation will take in the information, look at all the options, and then make a plan, all the while remaining calm on the outside. Another person may be in the same difficult situation and they will immediately start making plans without all the information, be more directive and outwardly upset. Both are different mindsets to the same situation. A family may have a parent who is dealing with dementia and each sibling sees it uniquely. One may jump into planning and figuring out how to help their parent right now. Another may think only about what this will mean in the months to come. And another may just want to spend time with their parent. All are unique in their mindset in this difficult family situation. So while mindsets can be helpful for collecting information and managing expectations, they can also be maladaptive. That is, having a poor response to situations that can lead to personal problems or feelings of guilt, inadequacy, sadness, and anxiety. It's common to hold on to mindsets that were helpful at one point in life, but have since become unhelpful. For example, it may have been helpful to believe that others cannot be trusted if you were betrayed at a young age. But this belief may then lead to interpersonal issues at a later stage in life. Has your mindset been set about something that you thought was not changeable and then your mind was changed? Mindsets can change. Our brains continue to grow, change, and reorganize our thoughts throughout our lifespan. By challenging yourself with new experiences and perspectives, you can form mindsets at any point in life. 
You can change your mindset by learning and consciously choosing to believe that your character is not predetermined and that you can continue to grow over time. So in these verses from Matthew, Jesus is calling us to change our mindset, to move to being kingdom people with a kingdom mindset. Even if you may see this as a reach to get to or it would take a miracle for for you to change, we know that by the power of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. God has created us with malleable brains, and when we follow his call on our lives, all things are possible. Jesus lays out for us how we should view things. It's upside down from what we think is true about living in this world. We believe that Jesus is king and we are part of a kingdom where death has already been defeated. And the reality we live in is not the world that surrounds us, but the one where we each gather weekly in this place and in your homes with your life groups and say that is the reality that guides us. Simply gathering here is a counterculture upside-down way of living. Christ calls us to change our world-focused mindset to one that is focused on the kingdom of God. So let's look at these verses from Matthew in some broad strokes. In the Believer's Commentary, uh, the authors write there that this section of scripture is comparing to the one that just preceded it that Pastor Carl talked about last week is more broadly based more about how to orient, orient your lives, our lives as a whole, rather than specifics. And this last verse in this section serves as a summary of the entire central section of the Sermon on the Mount. Do to others as you would have them do to you. There are two thematic connections that link these sayings with one another and with the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. First, all the sayings are related to the topics of the Lord's Prayer that we talked about last week and that we said together today. For example, the verses that talk about anxiety and food around food and clothing is related to asking for daily bread. And second, all these sayings are related to our life as disciples, our day-to-day -day living as those who love Jesus, refusing to be distracted by the quest for possessions, anxiety about our needs, or finding fault with others, we are to focus our lives on God and seek God's reign and righteousness. So starting with verse six, or chapter six, verse 19, in this opening section of verses, there is a cluster of three sayings. The first one is about storing treasures here on earth rather than in heaven. Of course, a discussion about wealth is always a touchy subject, and every generation views money differently. In these verses, Jesus contrasts one thing with another, which we have seen him do earlier in the Sermon on Mount. Do not store up treasures here. They eventually will break down or they could be stolen, but rather store treasures in heaven. Of course, the treasures to be stored in heaven aren't things or even good deeds. We can't buy our way there. 
but rather we should fo- our treasure should be focused on God and our relationship to him and not material possessions. Jesus is wanting to free us from the focus of what we possess, taking care of things, acquiring things, holding things tightly, to being able to release and give freely what he has given to us. The second saying is about the eye being the lamp of the body. The eyes are a figure of speech for guidance and discerning behavior. Jesus is dealing with the need for a clear vision of God, for God's will, and is telling this parable to make that point. When we have healthy eyes, our world is one of light, and we see and walk clearly. But our eyesight, when our eyesight is poor or unhealthy, life can be dark and blurry. And the same is true in our relationship with God. If we have a dim view of God's will, our life will be dark. If, on the other hand, we have clear eyesight, our eyes clearly on Jesus, our life will be full of light. In our relationship with those around us, do we view people with suspicion or look down on those who are different? If that is our view, then we will have an unhealthy view of others and our eyes do not see clearly. When Jesus speaks of eyes and light, he means all people should keep their eyes on God because the eyes are the windows to the soul. Eyes should not focus on trash, on pornography, filth, or expensive things. And that's what he means when he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You are what you love. And this third saying is also about being focused on God on Jesus. Here he says no one can serve two masters. This is the crux of the matter. It's even more clear than storing treasures here or in heaven. It Will it be God or money that you love most? Will we be devoted to our possessions or will we be devoted to God? So regarding my possessions and what my eyes see and serving God ahead of all else? What does a kingdom mindset move me to be, move you to be? How do we need to change? And what is Jesus trying to free us from? In the next section of scripture, starting with verse 25, it talks about don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, What good is it to worry about provisions when doing so will not add even one hour to your life? Do you spend a lot of time thinking about your future, dwelling on what might be, or conversations or interactions that might happen? Jesus calls us to live in the present, not to succumb to anxiety about the future. Jesus wants us to free us from the weight of thinking of what might happen and to live for today with the people he has placed with us in front of us. We can, at times, not be present with people and truly listen to them when we are deep down living in fear 
Our minds are preoccupied with so much. Can we be fully with others? Or is the weight of all that you have to do keeping you from seeing people fully and listening completely? When Jesus says, do not worry about your life, really, is that possible though? When we are confronted with declining health, difficult family relationships, and other troubles of life, it is a natural human tendency to be anxious. Regardless of the circumstances that give rise to our anxiety, we are now urged not to worry about our whole life. It excludes all exceptions. Now, there is a kind of worry about the coming day that is normal, even healthy, waiting for test results, or needing to have that uncomfortable conversation with a friend or family member is bound to provoke concern. Now, this isn't just about worrying about normal tomorrow things, but it has to do with something deeper. It's about a more basic fear that something out there in the future can destroy our basic worth as a human being. Something stronger than God's care. Regarding worry and anxiety, what does a kingdom mindset lead us to believe, lead you to believe? What do I need to change? And what is Jesus trying to free you from? And starting with chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, the title is, Don't Judge. Don't focus on other people's faults. Focus on God. Your primary concern should be on your own shortcomings and not those of others. The behavior that Jesus rejects is relating to others with a judgmental spirit, a readiness to condemn. One commentary states that being judgmental is the habit of constantly finding fault with what others say and do. How does that land with you? Do you see yourself in that description? Or maybe you're thinking of others that fit that description. Jesus is wanting to free us from the need to judge others. Judging is not the same thing as being discerning. Jesus cautioned the disciples to watch out for false prophets and that you would know people by their fruit. Jesus adds another point to being judgmental. In the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This can be a frightening prospect. Is this something that comes to mind when we are looking at others through a worldview lens that says not all people are equal? Not all people are made in the image of God and called beloved. Jesus is looking to free us from being judged by the standards we place on others. Similar words are used in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors. 
And of course, the well-known verse about taking the plank out of your own eye before you remove the speck of dust in your brother's encapsulates this topic on judgment. So in my view of judging others, how does a kingdom mindset guide me? How can I change? What will I change? And what is Jesus trying to free me from? Verses 7 to 11 says, Just ask, and it will be given to you. Seek after it, and you will find. Continue to knock. The door will be opened for you. All who ask, receive. Those who seek, find what they seek. And he who knocks will have the door opened. Our very own Herb Kopp has written a book on the Sermon on the Mount. And he writes, this text is pivotal for our understanding the three earlier words on money, worry, and judging others. If we are not to have our hearts centered on material possessions, if we are not to worry about what we will eat or wear, if we are to be careful how we treat others, then we will need to ask, seek, and knock. Think about your hands in a closed fist or holding something tightly. There's no opportunity to receive something if your hands are closed or full of things. Now imagine hands open where you have released something. They are empty and now you have the ability to receive. A kingdom mindset leads me to pray. What are you seeking from God? What are you asking Jesus to free you from? This last verse, it's God's will in a nutshell. It sums up the entire section of the Sermon on the Mount. Having told us at the outset in chapter 5, verse 17, that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets, Jesus tells us now in chapter 7, verse 12, that their intent will be fulfilled when they live by this rule. It's not simply an appeal for an ethic based on self-interest or common sense. In this context, it is much more than that. Matthew clearly views the saying as a summation of everything Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. To do to others as we would have them do to us, therefore, is to practice the way of love that Jesus commands his followers. It is loving others fully as God loves us. A kingdom mindset leads us to do to others as we would have them do to you. This is the freedom that Jesus is calling us to. Now, I just want to speak specifically to parents for a moment and ask this question. How do we help our children and youth to develop a kingdom mindset? In this book called Familing the Faith, the authors reference sociologist and researcher Dr. Christian Smith and his book, Handing Down the Faith. He offers a concise description of the parenting style that most often guides young people into a lifelong faith in God. 
He calls this the authoritative approach. Now there are four parenting styles, authoritarian, permissive, uninvolved, and authoritative. Authoritative parenting is a style of parenting that combines warmth, responsiveness, and nurturing with high standards, firm limits, and consistent rules. This way to relating to children fueled by an everyday relationship with God that is active and overt creates a space for faith growth. When parents expect much of their kids in an atmosphere of relational warmth and engagement, they are loving them. We experience the love of God the same way. A love that transforms us expects much but surrounds us in love and grace. So how do we help our children understand kingdom living and develop a kingdom mindset? Here are a few ideas from the book called Familing the Faith. Everyday conversations that include a simple lens or mindset of the priorities, value systems, and guidance that Jesus matters in every aspect of our life. Wonder and explore together. Ask questions and pursue truths together with curiosity expressed through the lens of Jesus. Devotional readings that target the heart of Jesus, not trying harder to be better. Podcasts, programs, and other media experiences that are focused on the person of Jesus, not simply life application. These ideas, of course, can be appropriate for any age. Jesus contrasts the worldview that we focus on, the earthly interests, possessions, and ways of seeing others with a different lens. Our tendency is to possess, to hold tightly to mindsets that are not kingdom-focused as opposed to releasing, letting go our skewed views to allow Christ to change us, to move us, to free us to be all in, in him. We are not fully who we are meant to be until we are fully following Jesus and his call on our lives. We are able to move and change to become who we are meant to be in Jesus. We are malleable people created in God's image to be, to be kingdom people. This, of course, requires some self-reflection, but of course, not alone. You cannot see yourself fully by yourself, asking the Holy Spirit for your eyes to be open, seeking out the wisdom of others. You need others. You simply are not able to see yourself completely. And we don't always know our shadow side, as Richard Rohr calls it. He says that spiritual maturity is largely a growth in seeing. Jesus is wanting to set us free, to move us to being kingdom people with a kingdom mindset, to not be distracted by the quest of possessions, have anxiety about our needs, or finding fault with others. We are to focus our lives on God and seek God's reign and righteousness. It may be an upside-down 
way of thinking that the, compared to what the world is. It's counterculture. Christ calls us to change our world focus to one that is focused on the kingdom of God. So let's open our hands to receive all that God has for each of us. In response, there's uh, Bible verses at the front of the sanctuary that are some of the ones that are familiar in, this, in these verses that we just read. And as you come up for communion, uh, you are welcome to pick one or more up that you want to focus on or to be reminded of. So let's move into communion now.